Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning. We're in 2 Kings chapter number 4, and the guys are going to help us out here. Anybody need a, a copy of the bulletin, the outline? Raise your hand. I know that we only had one per packet. So keep your hand up. These guys are helping us out this morning. And if you're with me this morning, I'm going to talk quickly. Uh, and and uh, Commissioner, I'm just going to tell you and your wife, I appreciate you being here. When you need to leave, I'm not, nobody's going to think anything bad. I know you have an engagement, so you feel free to slip out whenever you need to, all right? wanted to say that because I know sometimes you're like, should I leave? Should I not leave? You know, and uh, now the rest of you have to stay. We have the doors chained. All right. Nobody's getting out. <laughs> We're in 2 Kings chapter number four this morning. And, uh, you know, I, I like I said, everything that I'm sharing with you as far as the theme. How many of you like the theme? Isn't that awesome? It is well. Let's say that together. It is well. You know, and, and listen, if nothing else, this year, just practice. Now, people will think you're Jewish, but you can walk around and just go, shalom, all right? Or if you just want to use the word, well, and they'll be like, well, what's that mean? And then you can have the opportunity to tell them, hey, listen, I have peace that only comes from God, and give you an opportunity to witness to somebody. So keep your hand up. Looks like we got most of them, but still a few of them. Thank you guys for helping out. And so the, the theme of our message this morning on Vision Sunday, now listen, don't leave after the service. I know all of you are hungry. We have a delicious catered meal that'll be here. We're going to give some instructions at the end of the message and invitation. We want you to stay and enjoy a delicious lunch. You're going to eat somewhere, so stay and enjoy it. And then after that, if possible, we want all of you to stay for our big 70th anniversary, all right? No service tonight. We're, it's all, we're, gonna, we're just going to blow it out this morning, okay? So stay and enjoy it. Now, this passage here, 2 Kings chapter number 4, if you notice in your Bible, in verse number 8, the Bible says, And it fell on a day that Elisha, now we know Elisha was Elijah's successor, okay? Elisha the prophet. The Bible says that, that it, it came to pass that Elisha, he went to Shunem, and there was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread, and so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. Now, there's a lot of discussion because the Bible never mentions this woman by name, and you see the word there, great. Now, can I tell you, look at me for a second, it doesn't mean great like this. Okay, just get that out of your mind, all right? It, that's not what the word means. It actually uh, deals with a woman of means. I don't know if she inherited something, she had a wealthy family, whatever it was, but the Bible mentions she had some prominence to her, and it says here that, that the prophet, the man of God, that when Elisha was coming by Shunem, that she asked him, as a matter of fact, she constrained him that he would turn in, that he would come in. Some of you have probably done this in your life where you've, you've entertained preachers or men of God, missionaries in your home, right? And, and this is right here. This is where, if you've ever heard the phrase, a prophet's chamber. How many of you have heard that? Okay. It's a room that oftentimes, now churches sometimes will have them, people's houses, this woman, she created a place where Elijah on his journeys, or Elisha on his journeys, could come in and he could get some rest, he could study the word of God, he could spend some time with God, and listen, I guarantee you for Elisha, this was a blessing, 
to have a place that he could go, get away. Now, the, the Bible tells us, as you read on in verse number 13, that he, says to, uh, he said unto him, Say now unto her, to this woman, this great woman, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. In other words, you've taken care of us. What is to be done for thee? What is thou uh, be spoken for to the king? In other words, what can we do for you? And she makes a comment at the end of verse 13. I dwell uh, among mine own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, who is the servant of Elisha, and said, she hath no child. And her husband is old. Now, isn't that something? The Bible describes her as great and describes her husband as an old man, you know? And it's kind of, it doesn't seem fair, but nonetheless, that's what we see. Now, notice in your outline this morning, we see the child that is mentioned here. Because as you read on, they find out that she does not have a child. And so look at verse 15, how he says, call her. And when he had called her, she stood at the door Verse 16, and he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. She says, look, don't tell me something that, that's not going to happen. You know, that I, 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 this has not happened. I've been without a child. I dwell among my own people. And the Bible says in verse number 17, the woman conceived. And she bare a son at the, that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. So notice again that she was childless. And, and I really believe because of this woman's hospitality to the man of God, that, that God blessed her. God gave her what he promised her. You find the same thing in Genesis chapter number 18, where Sarah, in her old age, was promised that she would have a son as she was also standing in the tent door, and the Bible tells us in Psalm 127, and I, if you have children, and I know children can be children, but the Bible tells us in Psalm 127 and verse 3, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Now, I hope that you don't think of your children in a different way, because I look at my three daughters standing here, and of course, I wish I had my oldest daughter here to join us today, but... But I'll tell you this, I know that our children are a gift from God. Uh, they are his reward. And the Bible tells us here that God grants her a son. Now, having that child, notice what happens next in this passage in verse number 20. Notice the crisis that takes place. The Bible says that, uh, look at verse 18. When the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers, and he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat upon her knees till noon, and then he died. So here God gives her this child. She had been without a child. The Lord gives her this child, and what happens? Her son dies. The woman has a great need in her life. Now, I have studied this out, and I have read many things, and I've been to the Holy Land, and I will tell you that during the time of harvest, it was very common in Palestine for people out in the heat, people out in the sun, and some of you have experienced this, to have what they call a sunstroke. He said to his 
father who was out with the reapers, my head, my head. I've been out in the sun for too long. And so what does the father do? He instructs them to take his son and take him to his mother. And the Bible records that she holds him in her lap. She begins to comfort him like any mother would do. And so in a time of trial, she finds herself. Now, what's interesting about this woman is this, that in her time of trial, holding her son, and then he dies in her arms, she finds herself directing her thoughts toward God. The Bible tells us in Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. In trouble. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 13, there hath no temptation taken us, such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you above that which ye are able, but will with the temptation or the trial also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So I find here God gives her a child. I find the crisis comes into her life. Thirdly, I see the consternation, how for many, they would think that maybe this, this mother had feelings of anxiety. Maybe there was some dread or even some confusion. I mean, why would God allow this to happen? Job said it this way, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away, and I love this, blessed be the name of the Lord. I still remember when our oldest daughter was born and she had some health challenges and for 46 days she laid in the hospital. We didn't know if we would ever take her home. We didn't know if her life would be extended. And can I say today that she is in her 30s now and she is, has four children and God is abundantly blessed. But there was a time where, where we realized, God, you gave this child to us. It was your gift. And because you gave us this child, if you choose to take her, then that is what we want. We came to that place where we said, it is well. It's well with our souls. God, whatever you want. And so I see maybe some would think of the consternation. Psalm 18, verse 30, the Bible says, as for God, his way is perfect. Job twenty three ten, Job said, he knoweth the way that I take when he hath tried me. I shall come forth as gold. God will test us. But here's what I love about this woman in verse 21. Look at the verse. She went up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. Isn't that strange? I mean, I looked at that for a little bit and I thought about number four here, the confidence that she had. She took that child to the prophet's chamber that she had designed and had furnished for the prophet Elisha. And she took her, took her son, who life had gone out of him, and she took him into that chamber. She laid him on Elisha's bed. And the Bible says she just went over and she closed the door and she left. I see the confidence that she had. Her confidence was, as we sang this morning, in the goodness of God. You know, I don't see anywhere in this passage where I see one ill word coming out of her mouth. I don't see her saying anything bad about God. I don't see anything where she is blaming God, accusing God. As a matter of fact, she had great faith because she believed, listen, 
that God would restore what he had taken away. She believed that. And she, the Bible indicates that she believed it so much that even in that moment, she needed to hear it, and she needed to hear it from God. <clears throat> so what does the Bible tell us? Well, she wasn't angry with God, but the Bible says this, and I hope this is a verse you've learned, that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Well, who was it that God had entrusted with his word? Today, if you have a Bible in your hand, you're privileged because you have a copy of the word of God. But see, back in that day, they didn't have Bible publishers. They didn't have everybody had their own copy of a nice little Bible that they could carry in their purse or in their hand or under their arm. So what did she do? She realized, I do know somebody that has a word from God, and his name is Elisha. And so she wanted to get to the man of God. God was still her hope in spite of what was going on in her life. Psalm 130, verse 5, the Bible says, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. You know, I don't know what's going on in your life today, but I dare say you might not have gone through something as serious as this mother, but yet here she was, her hope was still in God. Her hope was still in the word of God. You heard the story of Horatio Spafford and his wife and the hope that they had. They believed that God had a purpose in what had happened with their daughters and with their son. So I see uh, number five in your notes here, the celerity. Now, the word celerity you might not be familiar with, but here's what it means. It means the swiftness to hurry about something, to do things speedily. Look in verse number 22 of our passage. The Bible says, here's what she did after she put her son on the, the bed in the prophet's chamber. She called unto her husband and she said, send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and come one, one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, it shall be, what's that word? Well, same word. She says, hey, it's going to be okay. Now, she wasn't telling her husband a lot. She just said, it's going to be okay. Do you see her confidence? But notice the celerity here because the Bible says, she says, hey, send me one of the servants. And the Bible says in verse number 24, look at it. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, look at the word, drive. We understand that here in South Florida, right? People know how to drive around here. Now, notice what she tells him drive and look and go forward slack not thy riding for me except i bid thee now many believe here's what happened because she they, he had went and got one of the asses and because she was a woman of, a woman of prominence they put her on the ass and that the servant was probably either walking beside her or he was walking just barely behind the the beast of burden and many times they would have these little instruments that had a little sharp thing on them that they would goad, maybe a, a, an ox or an ass. And so the servant, he was trying to get that, that, that ass to move quickly. So many believe that as she was on there and he, she said to him, speed, you know, this is one time that there were no police officers, you know. And so maybe he just kept jabbing that, that animal and, and, and tried to make the journey as quick as she could. So notice again, 
that she leaves in a hurry. The woman, here you go, wives, she never even told her husband that her son had died. The husband had no idea. According to the passage, she just, she just took off. She knew that she had to get to the man of God. Well, why? Well, look what it says in Hebrews 1.1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by who? By the prophets. That includes Elisha. She had to get to the man of God. She had to get to Elisha the prophet. She was a mother on a mission. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. You don't, get, you don't get in the way of a mother on a mission. She said, I've got to get to the man of God. And she told him, don't stop for anything. Now, what's interesting is, look at verse number 25. The Bible says, so she went, she came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass, when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, yonder is that Shunammite. He says, run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, is it what? Well with thee, notice the next one, is it well with thy husband, is it well with the child, and she answered what three words? Now, you know what I see? Look in your notes there, number six, the calm. I mean, she is, she, is, it, is it okay with you? Is it okay with your husband? How about the child? She says, it is well. That was her response. With all that had happened, she had peace. The Bible tells us in Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Colossians 3, 15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. I mean, listen, the, the words to that song that Spafford wrote that we sang this morning, that we've sang over and over again, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I want you to see that even though her response was, it is well, notice seventh this morning, the confusion. Now, understand, as you look at this passage and you come to verse number 27, the Bible says, and when she came to the man of God, that's Elisha, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away, and the man of God said, let her alone for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Then she said, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did not I say, or did, did I not say, do not deceive me? And going back to what she said, she said to him earlier, she said, don't tell me something that you're not going to be able to keep your word. And so notice here, as you think about this, when, when you think of the confusion, this was not this Shunammite woman, this great woman, this was not her complaining. This was actually her plea for help. She was asking the man of God. In other words, it was her faith crying out to God. She was asking God to do something. 
when the evangelist Gypsy Smith got saved, an elderly gentleman explained to him the importance of trusting God alone. And Gypsy Smith replied these words, and I believe you have them in your outline. I cannot trust myself, for I am nothing. I cannot trust in what I have, for I have nothing. I cannot trust in what I know, for I know nothing. The only thing left for Gypsy Smith or any of us to do is to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, despite the confusion that was going on, the woman still believed that God is able. How many of you believe that this morning? God is able. Now, you know, many of us have gone to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, which oftentimes we call the hall of faith. What's interesting is a verse that many times we don't see, but it applies to this passage. Look at verse 35 there in your notes, and the Bible says this, women received their, what's that next word? Dead, raised to life again. You know who that's talking about? Women of faith. This woman, this Shunammite woman, she was a woman of faith. She had confidence that what God had taken, that God was able to restore. And she had to get to the man of God. She had to get, look, even though Gehazi, like the disciples, said, hey, look, get away from Elisha. Don't be be throwing yourself at his feet. But she had to get there. She had heard about how God, not only through Elisha, but earlier through Elijah, how God had raised another son. And this was the son of the widow at Zarephath. Look in 1 Kings 17 in your notes, how the Bible says in Elijah's day, that he stretched himself upon the child three times, and he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come in unto him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. Notice here what happens is that ignoring his wife's plea, even in Job's day. You remember what Job's wife told him? Why don't you just curse God and die? Don't you love it when you get encouragement from a family member? But I love Job's response in Job 2.10. He said, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, did not Job sin with his lips? Job would not curse God. Job would not blame God. Do you think Job understood everything that was happening in his life? Absolutely not. Do we understand everything that happens in our life? Absolutely not. But I'm going to tell you something. The only thing we have to understand is that God is able and if God is able then guess what all is well all is well and so we find here that she did not understand but what's interesting is is that neither did Elisha I mean I find here even though she didn't understand she she didn't have to fault God somebody wrote in a song temptations hidden snares often take us unawares and our hearts are made to bleed for a thoughtless word or deed and we wonder why the test when we try to do our best but we'll understand it better by and by and someday maybe when we get to heaven and i have to believe almost believe my heart i really honestly by then it's not going to matter 
because we're going to be in the presence of Jesus. But I see here how that there was a calm, and I see how that there was to some a confusion. But see, even Elijah, or excuse me, Elisha did not understand. The Bible says in verse 27 that even God hadn't revealed it to Elisha. I mean, you know, I know sometimes, look here, I want to be a help, but sometimes people ask me questions and they, they figure I'm the all-knowing walking Bible. And you know, sometimes I have to be honest with people and say, you know what, that's a great question. I don't have an answer. I wish I could answer every question. I don't know anybody that can answer every question, but I'll tell you this, that if we ask God for the answer, that if God wants us to have that answer, God will reveal it to us. And so I notice here as we finish this this morning, I want you to see the context. Because as we look at the end of this passage, look what the Bible says in verse 33. And by the way, before you get to verse 33, here's what happens. Elisha sends Gehazi ahead of him. Because the, the Shunammite woman, she says, look, I'm not leaving your side, Elisha. I'm staying with you. And so here's what happens is Gehazi goes ahead of them, and Elijah gives him his staff, and he goes to see this, this child that has already passed away. He's laying in the prophet's chamber. He goes in, he tries to pray. He actually tries the staff, and nothing happens because there is no magical staff. And so here's what happens in verse 33. Elisha comes. He went in, therefore. He shut the door upon just him and the son. And he prayed unto the Lord. And he went up. And he lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth. And his, hands, his, his eyes upon his eyes. His hands upon his hands. He stretched himself upon the child. And the flesh of the child waxed warm. The Bible says, then he returned. And he walked in the house to and fro, and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Now when you look at that, that, those couple verses here, you say, where in the world? I mean, where would Elisha get that from? Well, the only thing I have to go on is if you look back in the life, and we read it earlier with Elijah, Elijah did the very same thing. He, he went in, it seems unusual, seems strange, but he stretched himself, Elijah did, and so did Elisha, on top of this child. He put his hands on his hands, his eyes upon his eyes, his mouth upon his mouth, and the Bible says his, his body waxed warm. In other words, some, some warmth from, from Elisha's body went into the body of this son, but he didn't come to life. So he gets off, and he goes out of the prophet's chamber, and he kind of wanders around, and he prays to God. He comes back in, and he does the same thing. And the Bible says that he opened his eyes, and something that I, I studied and studied and studied, I never got an answer for, was he sneezed seven times. Now, I know sometimes people say seven's the number of perfection. Kind of, kind of strange. I've been around people, and maybe you're one of those kind of people that, that kind of get on a roll with sneezing. Anybody like that? You know, I, I've heard people like three, four, five times, but I've never heard somebody seven times, just one right after another. Last night, I think I sneezed about six times, but it wasn't one right after the other. I was thinking, hey, wait a minute. Can you use that in my message? No, it didn't work out. 
But he put his mouth to his mouth as if in God's name that God would give him the breath of life. Now, certainly Elisha didn't have that. We can't raise the dead. Elisha can't raise the dead, but God can. He put his mouth to his mouth. He put his eyes to his eyes. It's almost if to allow the light, capital L of light, to enter back into this child. Put his hands to his hands as if to put strength into them. And the Bible says the flesh of the child became warm and he prayed. He stretched himself a second time on this little child and the child sneezes seven times. Now, the only thing I could find medically was they, they believe medically that sneezing is a mechanism that the body uses to clear the nose. Bacteria, irritants, dust. Many believe from that sunstroke that, that it was the sneezes that whatever was in his head, whatever got into his nasal, now don't take me to the bank, don't, don't say, now I know the answer. I'm just telling you medically and what I do know from scripture, this is what many people believe. And, and, and they say, many of the old preachers of days gone by believe that seven was, it took that many to get whatever it was out of his system. There you have it, all right? But nonetheless, he opened his eyes. Now the sneezes were a sign of life. They were a sign of livelihood. The child, uh, the, the prayer of Elisha, the man of God, his prayer had been answered to, by God. And the faith of this woman had been answered by God. But I'll tell you this, as I mentioned earlier, it was not Elisha's actions that worked. It was God that worked. God brought life back to this child. Look at verse 36. The Bible says he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. And so he called her. And when she was coming uh, unto him, he said, take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. Here she is. She took up her son. Remember the last time she had her son? She was holding him, comforting him in her arms, and her son died. But now she takes him up into her arms, and her son that was dead is now alive. God had worked a miracle. She fell down at, at the man of God's feet. She was thanking God. Her darkness was turned into day. Her son was alive again. And the Bible tells us that we, because we are sinners, the Bible says that when we understand and when God works in our lives the way he did in this child, the Bible says you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Hey, listen, if you've been saved, you have tasted the goodness of God. And the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man, or in this case, the woman that trusteth in him. When I look at this passage and I think of our theme this year, God gives us a rare preview of God's power over death. I see this passage and it, it assures me that God is the giver of life and, and that death does not have the last word in, our, in a person's life. This Shunammite woman, she encountered the giver of life that God, look here, God gave her the son and when he gave her that child, that many believed he was about four or five years of age, that he, he had life when he was born into this world, 
but whenever he was uh, raised from the dead that God gave him life a second time. And I'm going to tell you something, that all of us have a, what we call a birthday, that we have a day that we were born into this world. That's our physical birth. But I'm going to tell you that every one of us, if we're going to go to heaven someday, we not only need a physical birth, but we need a spiritual birth. We need to have a day that we put our faith like this woman did in the Lord. I know that that happened for me on January 22nd, 1984, when I was born again by God. God breathed eternal life into my life, and I, I trusted him as my Savior. And here's this woman that, that with her son, God breathed life back into her son. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, look at this, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, which giveth the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, that death was conquered by God himself, and that this Shunammite woman, and I don't want you to miss this, that she now knows God in a way that she could not have known him had it not been for this crisis. Sometimes God will work in our lives. And you know why he's working through those crises? Because he's bringing us to himself. He's trying to get us closer to him. He's not just the giver of life, but he's the restorer of life. In the same way, God brings life to us. God brings life at physical birth, but God wants us to have spiritual life, new life. Jesus said unto her in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Have you put your faith in Christ? Because according to the word of God, if you have, God has given you eternal life. It's a gift from God. It's not something that we can work for. It's not something that we can earn. For by grace are you saved. Through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man or any woman should boast. Jesus paid it all. Here's the question this morning. Is it well for you today? Are you saved? Do you know Christ as your Savior? And if you are saved, let me ask you this. Is God working in your life to bring you closer to himself? Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed and I appreciate your patience this morning with all that we've had going on, and we've got so many wonderful things after we get done here this morning, but let me ask you today, can you say in your heart today that I've had a time in my life that I've invited the Lord Jesus into my heart? I know that I'm saved. I know that if I were to die today, that heaven would be my home. Can you raise your hand this morning as a testimony? I'm saved and all is well. I see hands all the way across the auditorium. You can put your hands down. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, you've never had a time that you've trusted in him like this Shunammite woman did, why don't you come today? Why don't you ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sins? Come into your heart and be your Savior. Let's stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Whatever your need is this morning, whether it's to be saved, 
or maybe that God is bringing you closer to himself as the song is sung, why don't you come this morning and do business with God? The altar's open. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's hands. If you need to be saved, why don't you come? If God's been working in your life through what some would call a crisis, why don't you come this morning and get on your knees before God and say, God, I believe that you are able to restore what you have taken. That God, you're trying to do something through this, and I need to have faith to believe in what you're doing. Whatever your need is this morning. It is well. so much for what we've heard and what we've seen in the Word of God. Thank you for working in the heart of a mother in a child's life. God, when we think of our theme this year, so excited about no matter what comes into our life.